Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. If you have questions, we definitely have some answers. We may not be able to answer everything you want to know about relationships because we don't know everything, but we've learned a lot. So if it has to do with being uh, single and a relationship you have with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a potential boyfriend, or girlfriend, or if it has to do with marriage and what's going on that's good, bad, or indifferent, we'd like to deal with that today. And you can actually post your questions just below and we'll get to those and try to answer your questions as best we can right after this. So welcome to our Facebook Live program. This is Kimberly Holmes, our CEO. My welcome. She's my boss. We work for her. Everybody here works for her. And let's talk about relationships today. We talk about relationships every day. <laughs> when you started at the beginning and said, we don't know everything about relationships, I'm over here like, yes, we do. <laughs> we know all of it. <laughs> well, let's pretend we do at least. You have to breed confidence, Joe. <laughs> breed, breed confidence. confidence. Well, we do know quite a bit. We have worked with literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of couples in all kinds of situations, just about everything that you can imagine. As a matter of fact, I would be surprised if you could surprise us. No, oh, uh, we're asking. Is that asking, a challenge? <laughs> I didn't mean it to be a challenge, but I guess it challenge. could come across as a challenge. Yes. We don't have any questions yet. Okay. So, what would you like to talk about until we get some questions today? And again, you can post your questions just below, right here on this Facebook page, and we will do our best to deal with those today. I don't know. What would you like to talk about? I was going to talk about the fact I've wore plaid two weeks in a row, but I don't think that's what people necessarily want to hear me talk about. Although, you know. My life is interesting, so we could talk a lot just about me and my life and my wardrobe choices. Right. We have dealt with more than a quarter of a million people have been through courses, workshops, seminars that we've developed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we have dealt with just about everything you can possibly think of. And that's why we do this program. We do the Facebook Live because sometimes we can talk about things, and we're happy to. And we've often picked topics and then talked about those topics to discover that people are going, but well, wait a minute, how does that apply to my specific and particular situation? And that's why we do this Facebook Live program, so that if you have a particular or specific situation that you're dealing with, you can type this down and we'll do the best we can. Now, soon... As soon as we can get everything to work right for it, we're working on the technology right now, we'll actually do this program so that you can call in and talk to us during the program. And the people out there can actually hear your voice. And, and that way, when you ask a question, we can actually interact with you. Because sometimes when you write the questions, of course, we're kind of guessing at a thing or two that you write, like, oh, what about this or that? But as soon as we get that technology worked out, you can call us during the program live, and, and not only can we hear you, but then we can say, well, help me understand this, or what about that? Mm -hmm. That's good. And another thing to point out is a lot of the questions that we get um, in the past, you know, have had to do a lot with marriages in crisis, affairs, things like that. And people always ask us, well, why don't y'all talk more about blank? about um, not affair issues in a marriage, about communication, about parenting or whatever. Well, in this program, we talk about what you ask us about. And so if you have questions and maybe it's difficult for you to word it because it's not as clear cut as my husband 
is having an affair with someone else, my wife is gone or whatever that might be, mm-hmm. we would still love to be able to answer your questions about other issues that you're experiencing in your marriage. And even with that, marriage helper in general, we deal with more marriages, more situations than just affairs, than just crisis even. Now this weekend, Joe, where are you going to be speaking? Let our you don't know. It's in Ohio. It's somewhere in Ohio. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually be at a church in the Columbus, Ohio area. Called I know Marysville. Playing. Marysville, Ohio. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. be speaking, and I believe it's a Christian church there. Marysville Christian Church. Marysville Christian Church. Well, I'm glad you know more about it than <laughs> I do. <laughs> and if you'd like to come, it'll be Friday night. It'll be mm-hmm. Saturday. And then I think I'll also speak there Sunday morning. So if you're in the Marysville, Ohio area, look for the Marysville, Ohio uh, Christian Church, the Marysville Christian Church. You can contact them there to find out the exact times. I think that they have a registration fee. Um, I'm not sure, but I think they do. But you can contact them and be there for what we call our Love, Sex, and Marriage Seminar, uh, where I'll be lecturing Friday night about the love path. And then Saturday morning, I'll be dealing with two different topics, Saturday morning and just after lunch Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, I'll actually be speaking for the church itself. So if you'd like to do that, Marysville Christian Church, yeah. contact them. Love to meet you there. Love the to link. see you there. I have the link. I'm going to post it here just in case anyone's interested. But Joe, can you tell people, because this is always confusing to people, what is the difference in our three-day workshop that we do and the Love, Sex, and Marriage event? Okay. The Love, Sex, and Marriage event is primarily lecture. Now, it's lecture, but it's also have, it has a lot of humor in it because of the fact that if people are going to sit there for two or three hours, <laughs> you've got to make it fun. But it's not the interactive situation that we have in our workshops, nor does it get to some of the intense subjects that we talk about in our intensive three-day workshop. Now, do I cover some of the same material? The answer is yes, some of it I do, but not as deeply, not as intensely. So you say, well, is it worthwhile coming? Well, I totally believe that it is because the things that we talk about are valid and I'm going to talk about it to the depth where it makes sense and where you can actually use it in your relationship. So if you're, if you're single, you'll learn a lot about relationships if you come. If you're in a relationship, either it's a dating relationship or a married relationship, you'll learn some do's and don'ts and some understand some whys and hows and all those kinds of things. And like I said, we also make it a fun event, so it's very good. But the three-day workshop is much more focused and much more intense because we go to things in much greater depth in the three-day workshop. Obviously, lecturing on a Friday night and and a Saturday for a few hours, um, we cannot begin to cover all the information and material that we do in the intensive three-day workshop. It's a totally different experience, uh, different environment, um, much more concentrated, and extremely valuable. Most of the couples that come to the intensive three-day are couples whose marriages are in some kind of crisis. We do occasionally have couples come through that just want to make their marriage better. Oh, and up to one couple per workshop will actually allow an engaged couple to come through that intensive three-day. And you're thinking, why would an engaged couple come? Well, first of all, the material is extremely important material to know. It really is. And secondly, an engaged couple or even a newly married couple sitting there in a room full of people that have kind of messed it up here, there, or there, uh, you learn a lot, not only about the material that we cover and how important it is, but being surrounded by people that are saying, yeah, that's right. Let me tell you how you can do that wrong because we've experienced that. Now, 
by the end of the three days, we know that 77, statistically 77% of the couples that come to the workshop that are in trouble will actually figure things out and save their marriages. And if you are a young married couple, in other words, relatively recently married, or if you're an engaged couple and want to come through that, contact us because we'd love to have you come through there as a great premarital or early marital experience. It's going to be better and you're going to learn things that, that you would never, ever learn in premarital counseling. And you're going to see how it applies to real life situations. We have some questions. Good. All right. So the first one we have he says, my wife has made up her mind to herself that the marriage is done and over. No chance in her mind. I've been doing pies for months and smart contact. The longer we don't speak, the worse she gets. I'm very hopeful and praying. Is there anything else I, else I should do for her to want to change her mind? Okay. You know, I understand the pain that's involved in that. And you're thinking, there's got to be something I can do. And if I could just do that thing, somehow it's going to be the magic word, the magic action that's going to change her and the whole world's going to be different. So what is that magic phrase? What are those magic words? What's that magic thing I can do? Unfortunately, that's made worse by the fact that there are people out there on the internet that say they can teach you that. If you just take my online course, or if you buy these set of audios from me, or these set of videos from me, I'm going to teach you. And if you just do these things, then it's going to make your spouse change. And if you want to throw your money away, throw your money away. But you must understand if there were some kind of a magic phrase or magic thing that you do, we'd be teaching people that. And we're a 50C, uh, 503C3 nonprofit, which means that we're not going to charge you an arm and a leg to learn how to do that. I wish there were some magic phrase, some magic thing you can do, but those things don't exist. You see, the only person that you can control is you. And if you were to find some way to manipulate your husband or wife into doing what you wanted them to do, do you really think that's going to stick? No, it still comes back to you. Now, I understand the frustration. Like, the longer we go, the more she seems to be set in her ways to do the other thing. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Is there something you can do differently? The only thing that you can do is do the best thing that you can do for you. Now we teach a system called PIDES, where you work on each other, or work on yourself, I should say, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, because it's the best thing that you can do for you. Is that gonna be the magic beans that you buy where you can climb the stalk and find the golden goose that lays the golden, or the goose that lays the golden egg? The answer is no, it is not that magic thing. That's not gonna happen, but it's still the best thing you can do for you. And if anything works, it'll have the effect on the other person. The second thing we teach is that you then learn how to um, be as accepting as you can, not necessarily the other person's behavior, but of who he, she is, uh, what she thinks, how she feels, those kinds of things. And if indeed you can do that, then hopefully at some point it has an effect on her. Is it guaranteed to work? The answer is no, it's not guaranteed to work. But we do say if anything works, this will. Now, occasionally we hear people that say, we did all the things you taught us to do and it still didn't work. And it breaks our hearts. We wish that it did. We wish it had, had the proper effect. But or maybe proper is the one word, had the effect that you hope that it has. But ultimately, the person gets to make his or her decisions. So what I recommend, keep doing the things that if anything works, these will, which means the pies, which means the smart contact. And by the way, if you don't know what we mean when we talk about pies and when we talk about smart contact, 
you can go to our website and find out articles and things there that are free that you can read about them. You can find podcasts. You can either go to iTunes and look for Marriage Radio, or you can go to uh, Google Play and look for Marriage Radio. And you can find many podcasts that we have done where we explain these things in great detail. And then as you understand those principles, practice the best you can. I truly, truly hope that they work. And if I had some Hail Mary pass that you could throw, something of just do this one thing and everything's going to change, I promise you I would share it with you. But it's a process. It's not a pill. And hopefully the process works. Hopefully it will. And most of the time it does. Unfortunately, sometimes it does not. Another question we have that's come in, she says, I was raped as a teenager. Mm. At the workshop, I realized that I sometimes saw my husband as an abuser, even though he did not intend to be. Now I'm trying to find a way back to healthy sexual relationship with my husband. But in my head, sometimes I still feel the need to freeze and I see him as the abuser. What is a good first step or tip for me to be able to move forward? Okay. I'm going to recommend a book, and it's not one of my books. It's actually about Barry and Emily McCarthy. Barry McCarthy, Dr. McCarthy is a friend. He's a really good guy. Now, he and I don't share the same religious beliefs. Um, he's actually not anti-religion. He's just a-religious. What I mean by that is he's not religious. He's not for or against religion. He's just not religious. And therefore, if you are and you buy the book I'm about to recommend, you'll see that some of the things he'll talk about in there might not fit within your religious um, parameters. But don't freak out about that because the vast, vast majority of this book has extremely good information. And if he happens to say something that is not exactly in tune with your belief system, then ignore that part. The name of the book is this, and I'm going to recommend that you get this book. It's called Sexual Awareness, 5th edition. As a matter of fact, go to Amazon.com, type in Sexual Awareness, and look for it. It's by Barry and Emily McCarthy, Dr. McCarthy, as I said, is a friend. And to make sure you got the right one, um, scroll on down until you find the reviews and see if there's a review there by me, by Joe Beam. If so, then you've got the right book. And here's what I recommend you do with that book. Uh, get you a blue marker and a pink marker, a highlighter, if you will. And then the husband takes the blue one and the wife takes the pink one. Now, if you mark too many things in there, it's going to become useless. Okay. So just mark what's extremely important to you and, and read through the chapter. And when you see the blue marks, you know, this is what's important to him. You see the pink marks. That's what's important to her. You see the purple marks and you go like, hmm, because when the blue and the pink get together, they make purple. That's important to both of us. Now, again, don't mark too much. Now, part of what you're going to see in this book, Sexual Awareness, is what do you do when you begin to feel some of the things you're just describing? And he actually teaches about how to assume a particular position. And, and when you go into that position, and I don't mean now a sexual position, don't misunderstand, that when you go into that particular position, your spouse knows right now you're feeling uh, fragile, uh, frail. It's like this is bothering me. And it's a way for you to deal with this where that rather than him feeling rejected by you or even feeling attacked by you, that he knows when you do that, oh, wait a minute, she's experiencing some of these feelings. I understand what that means. And so it's something that you talk out together and understand that, you know, sometimes this is going to happen to me, but it's not about you. It's about what happened to me in the past. But when it is happening, it's going to get focused towards you. I don't mean for it to. I certainly don't mean to reject you or attack you. And so in that book, in Barry's book, you can find a way to come to a system of communication where hopefully he's not going to be offended 
doesn't feel attacked or rejected, but at the same time, you can feel safe. And you could even talk about when you do that, what does he do to help you feel even safer? And so rather than trying to explain all that in greater detail, just know that that is explained in that book. Now, if you get Barry's book, Barry and Emily, his wife wrote it with him. If you get that book and you read it and you think, oh, I've got more questions, <laughs> then come back next week or the week after and say, okay, Joe, I read that, but help me understand how to do this or help me understand how to do that. And I'll be happy to do that. But there's a methodology here where you can deal with this in a way where you feel safe when that happens, but your husband also feels safe when that happens and that the communication that takes place after that actually is good for both of you. So go to amazon.com, sexual awareness, fifth edition, scroll down, make sure there's a recommendation by Joe Bean, then you have the right book. And by the way, I don't get any royalty off that book. <laughs> Not a penny. It's just a really good book. That's good. Okay. Next question we have that's come in. She says, my husband has had, my husband had an emotional affair. His mm -hmm. lover left him and married another man, but he still moved out. We have no kids, but we're still communicating. Mm -hmm. Recently, he considered buying a house together with me. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. We still live separately in different apartments and he shows no signs of coming back, but he thinks to have a future house together with me is a good idea. Any suggestions on how I should respond to this situation? Okay. Obviously you make your own decisions. I mean, we can't tell you what to do. Okay. But here's something I'd ask you to consider as you go through this process. Uh, often when people are in an emotional relationship with somebody else, an emotional affair, like you described, uh, part of what helps them do that is a vilification of the spouse, meaning that he begins to think of you in terms of negatives, like this is your flaw, that's your flaw, this is something you did, he didn't like, that's something you did. And it's not necessarily a conscious process where it's like, hmm, if I'm going to feel better about what I'm doing, I really need to make myself feel really bad toward my spouse. It's more of a subconscious process where that it's happening because of the fact that uh, it helps him not to feel quite so guilty. Now, I'm not saying your husband did that. I'm talking about things in general. I don't know your husband, so I can't explain exactly what he did. But in that vilification process, well, it's like this. We often say it this way. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Therefore, to have this emotional affair with her to the fact that he moved out has a separate apartment meant that in his mind, he saw being with her as being better. Often part of that process then is that you become devalued, vilified, so that that contrast becomes enough to justify I'm leaving this for this. Now, if this ends, which it did in this case, really ends because she went ahead and married somebody else, then you have a couple of things going on. One is a grief process for him. Like this was the person I focused on. This was the person that was going to make me so happy for the rest of my life. This was the person I thought was going to be my soulmate or whatever it might be. And now she marries somebody else. There's typically a grief process that goes with this. And in the grief process, he's going to go through things like anger and denial and bargaining and all kinds of crazy things that go with that grief process. Now it's not linear. It kind of like this. Okay. The grief process is kind of bizarre in its own sense, but it's things that it, these are things that people go through. Now, as he's going through that grief process, it's really still focused on her in his pain. 
At the same time, since he had apparently convinced himself that being with her was better than being with you, I'm not saying that's the case. It's just what happens in his brain. You follow? Hmm. And so now it's a matter of, hmm, he doesn't automatically come back to you because he had somehow convinced himself being away from you was the best course of action. That's why he does not come back immediately. Plus, if he's going through a grief process about losing her, then inside of him is all kinds of confused emotions going on. Now, the fact that he's saying, hmm, maybe we should buy a house together. Now, here's what I think that means. Did you hear me say, I think, I don't know him. Therefore, I cannot definitively speak to this. And anybody you talk to who says, oh, this is exactly what he's thinking or feeling, is an idiot. Okay? Nobody knows that except him. But here's what I think may be happening. Part of him is beginning to realize that the vilification of you was not valid. That I'm sure you have your flaws because everybody does. But in the process of, you're beginning to increase in value with him. Now, I think that's what's happening because otherwise, why would he want to have a house with you? You are increasing in value. He's probably then getting further along in the grief process with her. Now, again, I'm guessing. You understand? Please hear this. I don't know this for a fact. Nobody else does either. But if, if my guesses are correct, he's headed back to you. That probably is what's going to happen. Now, I cannot guarantee you that. Don't call me back in six months and say, you missed it. <laughs> I'm guessing. But if I were a betting man, which I'm not, if I were a betting man, I'd probably bet on the fact that if, unless something happens to derail this, that your guys are actually headed toward a reconciliation if you want it. That's not going to happen immediately. It's not. But think about it this way. If you buy a house together, if you choose to do that, which is your choice, I certainly can't tell you what to do. But if you buy a house together, you've actually facilitated the likelihood of that happening because now there is actually an investment in this relationship with you. In addition to all the years you had before, there's now an additional investment because of the fact that, that oh, here's something that's tying us together. Does that guarantee that you'll get back together? No. Does it increase the likelihood? In my opinion, yes. Dramatically, in my opinion, yes. But you're risking some money. You're risking some emotional commitment. You and only you have to decide, is it worth that risk? And if you think this is a good man who did an idiotic thing, who is slowly now becoming the good man he was before, then this might be actually a very wise move on your part. But again, you have to decide to risk. You have to choose if you want to do this or not. Now, if it were I, I probably would, but I'm not you, and you have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. That's good. It can be difficult to see it non-emotionally when you're in it. Sure. But being able to take that step back, getting a third-party opinion. Now, even though, so while you're a third-party opinion and you're wonderful and great, <laughs> and everything, uh -oh. here comes a butt. And everything <laughs> was, I mean, it was spot on. There's still the benefit, especially here, when there's something that's this high stakes. And what I mean by high stakes is if you're wanting to make your marriage work, and even now you're seeing these obstacles, these huge obstacles yet to overcome. Getting good guidance from us, from Joe, from something like this is good. What's even better is coaching. Yes. The coaching, the coaching that we have here at Marriage Helper is 
I mean, it's amazing. It's awesome. Our coaches are amazing and awesome. They are trained in the things that we teach and in the ways that we teach them. And so if you're listening to this and you're saying, I get it, but how do I deal with this? And what about this? And what about when he says that? If you have those more detailed questions, we're not going to be able to help with that in this capacity. But that's the benefit of having a great coach. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, what's the difference in a coach and a counselor? Maybe I have my own counselor. I'm already going to one, this, that, or the other. Um, we could talk a lot about that. <laughs> and we have in the past talked a lot about when you have a counselor, when you're looking for a counselor, what should you look for? And we have that in our show archives. If you go to iTunes or if you go to Google Play or even just go back through our Facebook live posts that we've done over the past several months, you'll be able to find that. But what it all boils down to just in a short little second that I have right here to talk about it is our coaches are trained in our ways. So they understand smart contact. They understand limerence. They understand how a person coming out of limerence is going to be going back and forth and um, can seem wishy-washy at times. Mm. And we don't give up hope when that happens. Whereas a lot of the experiences people have told us about their experiences with counselors is, well, this just shows. So a situation like this, a counselor very well might say, well, this just shows they really want to be with someone else. They don't want to be with you anymore. You need to start moving on. Yeah, our coaches are trained not to make those kind of decisions. Not at all. Now, if you've got a good counselor, we certainly aren't trying to take you away from your counselor. Don't, don't misunderstand. We are not trying to take you away from your counselor or therapist. That's unethical, and we don't do that. But our coaches are trained in such a way as to ask questions, and they will not tell you, this just shows, therefore, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. Our coaches don't tell you things like that. They ask questions. They help you think things through. Um, they're not going to give you advice. You need to do this. Now, they will if it's a situation where you're like, I'm in danger. They'll say, then you need to call 911. Don't misunderstand. They will do that. But they're trying to ask you questions and help you think things through. And our coaches do a good job. So mm -hmm. what Kimberly's saying is, if the general principle I just gave, you get it, you think that works, I can make the decision, then do it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk to somebody further than that, like, I need to talk to somebody who can understand and I can ask questions back and forth, which she just said we can't do here then we would recommend that you call our number, and I'm assuming our number has been on the screen here, and, and talk about maybe getting with one of our coaches so she can help you think that through. That's good. The next question we have that's come in, someone says, how would you approach your spouse with the continuance of review of the material, tools, and information received at the Marriage Helper Workshop without, the, without it coming across as a push behavior? Okay. Push behavior is when a person feels that you're trying to get something, get him or her to do something they just don't want to do. One of the better ways to uh, try to avoid the push behavior is when you ask things from your frame of reference. So for example, here's how I'd recommend that you approach this. Uh, for me, would you do me a favor? I'm asking that, can we go through a, a chapter of the Art of Falling in Love book uh, a week? Or, can we go back through a section of the workbook that we use in the workshop? Can we do one of those a week? And I'm asking you to do that for me because it will benefit me emotionally. It'll help me deal with things. And so please do it that way. Because sometimes when you say, you need to do this, the person becomes a defensive. Or if this marriage is going to make it, they can still wind up being defensive. Like, uh, you're trying to push me into things I don't want to do. People are much more likely to comply with their request when you do it as a favor to you. Like, I need this. It will help me a lot. For me, will you do this? Not for us, not for the marriage, 
not for you, but for me. I think that's the better way to do it. And it's much more likely to get a positive response. And particularly when you say um, something like where you make it less obtrusive, like, can we spend 15 minutes uh, on Tuesdays sitting out on the front porch, cell phones off and, and just go through a little bit of this every Tuesday for just 15 or 20 minutes. Will you do that just for me? And then if you need to, you go and promise, I'm not going to push. I'm not going to make um, life miserable for you. And I'm not going to argue about anything. It's just like, let's just go through and talk through it 15 or 20 minutes at a time. Just do it on Tuesdays after work on the front porch. So will you do that for me? And I promise I'm not going to make it an ordeal for you. So you take away anything that you know is an inhibition or a problem on their side. Like what they're afraid of is, oh my goodness, you're going to get into this deep, deep stuff. And we're going to wind up having to bear our souls. And I'm ready to do that now and promise. That's not what you're going to do. And if you promise, <laughs> keep the promise or oh my goodness, we could wind up in an argument. Okay. I promise you we're not going to do that. And if you promise that, keep the argument. So whatever, you know, or believe might be the hesitancy. Just promise up front. Not going to make that happen. It's like, oh my goodness, we're going to end up spending a whole hour doing this. I don't think I can handle this an hour a week. Okay. Let's just do it 15 or 20 minutes. And if you do that, if you promise that again, do that. So make it about you and try to do away with anything that you know he or she's trying to avoid. Ask as a personal favor and then live within your promises. That creates a greater likelihood that he or she will do what you're asking him or her to do. Mm -hmm. That's good. The next question we have that's come in, she says, my husband and I have been separated for a month. At first it was horrible with smart contact. I was constantly begging and pleading for him to come back. But over the past two weeks, I've improved with my smart contact and have been working on my pies. Good. I think he may be starting to come around, but I don't want to get my hopes up. We okay. have two children, two and five years old, mm. and this is having an effect on them. Mm. They are confused and wanting daddy to come home. It's showing through behavior and emotions that they are showing. I've checked into the online course in the workshop, but right now it's not an option because of finances. How can we co-parent effectively and help the kids through this time? And why is smart contact so darn hard? Okay. There's a lot of different issues here. Mm -hmm. First of all, my heart hurts for those kids. It really does. Uh, yeah, they're bound to be confused. Uh, this summer, uh, I got, uh, three interns who have been students of mine at a university where I teach adjunct in the psychology department, uh, three of the brightest students I've ever had. Actually, we had four, but one had to drop out. Three extremely brilliant young ladies, and I handed them over uh, 300 scholarly articles having to do with uh, the effect of divorce, separation on kids. Uh, they're working on an ebook. It'll take a while to do it because they're full-time college students, but we'll eventually have an ebook that helps explain how it affects kids like that. And so not only from my own personal experience, because of what my kids went through when I left my wife over 30 years ago, and I was divorced for three years, by the grace of God, we've remarried and, and tried our best to put things back together. And we have, we have a good marriage now, but I see the effect. I've seen the effect on my own kids and the research out there is ample about what it does to kids. And so my heart breaks for you and for your children. Now you don't really say why he left or what's going on. So I don't know what the situation is, um, but I know that if you come at him right now, uh, I know, I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay. If you come in right now, with, oh, you're killing the kids. You need to do this because of the kids. Guilt may be a temporary short-term motivator, but it doesn't tend to work long-term. 
And when you try to motivate with guilt, people tend to pull further away from you. So I wouldn't recommend that you do it that way. If, if you're doing the smart contact, which is good. And again, for those that don't know smart contact, please go to iTunes and, and uh, Google play, look for marriage radio and look for the programs we've done about smart contact. Kimberly on our, on our YouTube channel, mm -hmm. have you done some smart things about contact there as well? I've done very smart things about contact. Very smart things about contact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you go to our, how do they get to our YouTube so channel? So you go to youtube.com slash marriage helper and, and subscribe. Be sure you subscribe. Subscribe. And you can find some actual videos there that Kimberly has done explaining smart contact in greater detail. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad it's apparently beginning to have an effect on him. Why is it so hard to do? Because we like to be in control. We like to yeah. think if there's some one thing I can say, if I can just do this, everything's going to get better and he'll come back and life's going to be wonderful. And it's just not like that. Smart contact is hard to do because you're fighting against your emo emotions to do smart things rather than the things you instantly feel. The things you feel often lead you to do the wrong things like whine or beg or plead and those don't work or manipulate and control and they certainly don't work. So smart contact is the best way to do it, but you're finding your own emotions. So um, you have the name of the person that just did this. I mean, have you got some kind of contact information about her there? Yes. For the person that submitted the question. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me make a deal to you. You said you can't do the online course because of finances. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the online course. They actually let me do that. Even though she's the boss, I can occasionally give away. The I am a course. nice boss. She is a very nice boss. She really is a very nice boss. What I'm saying is I don't have to ask her, her permission for this. You'll let me. And so for you, since you're in this situation, you can't afford it. Uh, you contact us. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, you can actually, how, how is the best way for her to contact us to get the smart course? How we get the online course. Which is smart. <laughs> Another smart course. I, I would think call is going to be the easiest way. Okay. And we have her name here. So we know who it, who mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. If you'll call our number and um, say that Dr. Beam just said he would give me the online course, then we'll make sure that you get it. It'll be my gift to you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at some point we hope that you do wind up being able to come to the workshop because it's extremely powerful. Good things happen there. But right now I'll give you the online course. We'd love for you to have that to help you out. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? Absolutely. Yes, we do have more that have come in. The next one is how do you let go and watch your husband try life with the person he had an affair with and now has a baby with, hmm. especially when I still want to fight for us in our marriage? Okay. I'm not understanding. I don't think I understand the question. How do you let go and watch your husband? What try does that mean? I'm not understanding what let go means here. We can make some assumptions, but that's all. Okay. I, we'll make an assumption. I would assume it means how do I, um, not get so caught up in it, thinking about it all of the time. How can I let go of being obsessive, obsessive about it in my mind and stand on the side and wait for him to come back? Okay. You understand that fighting for your marriage can be done while you still can accept what's happening. Let me see if I can make that make some sense. If you think fighting for your marriage is I'm going to go see that hussy and chew her out. That's not really fighting for your marriage or I'm going to find somebody to manipulate him to come home. That's not really fighting for your marriage either. The fact that he has a baby with her and he's being with her. I mean, those are things that you cannot change. And sometimes in life, the beginning of finding peace within yourself is to accept. I can't change that. 
And since I can't change that, I'm not going to try to change that. Now, you understand that if he has a baby with her, he's probably going to have some kind of contact with her for many, many years to come, even if you salvage the marriage because he has some obligations and responsibilities to that baby that he brought into, into this world. And so fighting for your marriage can still occur, but it occurs from saying, I'm going to do the right things, not to try to manipulate or control him or to do away with her. Fighting for marriage, fighting for my marriage means I'm going to do the right things for me. Now, again, what we teach, and, and if you've been in our online course, you understand this in greater detail. What, I, what we teach is you work on you physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Now, I can't explain that all in great detail here. We do in some of our podcasts. We do in some of our uh, articles you can find on marriagehelper.com. And, and we certainly do and explain it in greater detail in the online course that we offer. But you do the things that work on you physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Then you work on you when it comes to what we call acceptance, which is the second step of the love path. You can accept another person for who and what she is. It means sometimes you have to accept the fact that they believe things that you don't believe. Sometimes accept the fact that they've done things that you wish they hadn't done. That they feel things that you wish they didn't feel. That they think things you wish they didn't think. But nobody on the planet is going to feel, think, believe, and do everything just like you want. Not even you. You won't live up to that as well. And so learning how to accept reality without accepting behavior that's unacceptable. Now, I realize it sounds like maybe I just said contradictory things, but if you understand the principle, it really isn't. I can accept the fact that you don't do everything I want you to do or that you do some things that I don't want you to do. But there are some actions that I cannot accept. I cannot accept you coming home drunk every Friday night, for example. I cannot accept you driving drunk would be another example. Or you understand the principle I'm talking about here, I'm sure. But it still all comes back to you that you work on you, who you are, how you face life. And uh, it doesn't mean giving up. And you really still are fighting for your marriage. But you're doing it by working on you in the proper kind of way. It doesn't mean trying to control him, trying to manipulate her, trying to pay her back. Those kinds of things aren't fighting for your marriage. They actually typically just push the other person further away. So is accepting reality sometimes difficult? Yes. Yes, it is. Because sometimes it just doesn't go like we want. So when is it really acceptance? When you quit trying to change it. You accept the fact that you can't change what has happened. You can't change him. You can't change her. You can't change the fact that that baby exists. And therefore, I accept it. And I stop trying to change him. Stop trying to change her. Trying to stop change the fact that there's a baby out there. That's when you begin to find that acceptance within. You change you. You simply change you. Now, hopefully, that will lead to changes where hopefully he would come back and you can put the marriage back together. But that's not a given. We hope it'll happen, and we teach you the things to do that if anything works, this will. But you accept the fact that even if it doesn't, you still are, are doing and have done the best things for you. Pies, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, acceptance, you become the best you that you can possibly be. Now, if that brings him back, awesome. Put together a good marriage. If it doesn't, it means that, and I know you'll have sadness because of the fact that you love him, but it means you can go on with life and have a good life because you've worked on the most important thing, which is you. 
No, we hope marriages get back together. We really do. That's why we exist. But if they don't, then this is still how you become the person to move on with life and still have a good, fulfilled life with this, that's where you can have joy and peace and those kinds of things. So you work on you. Mm-hmm. This next question comes from a graduate. And to give you a little bit of a backstory and the viewers, um, been fighting standing for her marriage for about probably over two years now. They came to the workshop two years ago. Okay. And it was just this past, of the past couple of weeks, it's been kind of back and forth, but in the past couple of weeks, her husband has said, I want to come back home. I'm ready to make this work again. Hmm. Let's make this work, which is awesome and exciting. Wonderful. Here is her question that she says, I'm having mixed feelings about my husband coming back home. I know there are a lot of folks who would jump for joy for this, but I'm confused. What would be the very first thing you would do to get off on the right foot towards reconciliation? Okay. I don't blame you for being confused. It's kind of interesting sometimes, though, that... uh, that we work for something, we pray for something, we, we become what we need to become for ourselves, etc., hoping that something's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, when the chance for it to happen happens, <laughs> we go, huh, I don't know, I don't know. I, I think it makes sense that you would have some apprehension. Rather than jumping for joy, I actually think it's probably more mature that you have some apprehension like, Wait a minute, it's been two years. There are a lot of things we're going to have to talk about, a lot of things we've got to work through. We have to learn how to live with each other again. We've got to learn all kinds of things. In a sense, it's like starting from scratch. One of the things we recommend is don't make a whole lot of demands right off the bat. Like, okay, if you come back, you're going to treat me like a princess. We're going to talk to each other three hours a day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see, think about it this way. When he comes back, think about it like, hmm, we're dating again. And think about it just that way and approach it that way. We're dating again. There are certain expectations I don't need to put into play and certain expectations he doesn't need to be put into play because he wants to come back, but now we've got to learn how to put this thing back together again. So let's be on our best behavior. Let's don't be too demanding. Let's just take it a day at a time. Even if you wind up living together, even if you wind up sleeping in the same bed with each other and making love to each other, still treat it like a dating relationship. No. I don't mean that everybody's dating should be sleeping with each other, but you understand. You understand what I'm saying here. Take it one day at a time, take it slow, and be on your best behavior. Now, as you begin to work things out, you're going to find that you're going to irritate each other in some of the things that you do. Because on a couple of years, you kind of develop some new habits and new ways of doing things, and sometimes that's just going to just irk you. <laughs> it's going to irk him. Don't let that panic you when it happens. Or some days, one of you is just going to be a a jerk. He's going to be a jerk someday, and you're going to be a jerk someday, because on any given day, anybody can be a jerk. Anybody can be a jerk. And when that happens, to say, okay, that's part of life. We don't expect perfection when we first get back together. Don't think that you need to talk about all the deep issues immediately. Uh, get to know each other again, get comfortable with each other again, start trusting each other again. And there will come a time when you do need to talk about some of these things. One of the errors that people make sometimes when they try to reconcile is, uh, particularly, this tends to be more with the guys than the gals, like, well, I'm back. Let's don't rehash all that. Let's don't go back and live through all that again. Part of that's wise. You don't need to rehash all that. You don't need to relive all that because it brings up all those terrible emotions again. But there are some things sometimes that you do need to talk about. 
like, I, I need to be able to deal with this. I need to be able to ask some questions. Now, there's some wisdom as to what things you do talk about and don't talk about. Uh, do we still have that online course about reconciliation that kind of guides them step by step through that? We still offer that? Mm-hmm. How would people find that? Through our client relations reps. Okay, so if you call here and you talk to one of our client relationship reps, uh, representatives, then he or she can guide you to our reconciliation program, which will lead you actually step by step by step by step how to go through these things because uh, there's kind of an art to it. It's not like do this, 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 and this. There's a little bit of art to to that. And if if you hit any kind of a rough patch, then... Maybe you want to set up some of our coaches. Now, I'm not trying to sell you something. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying there's a process to go through that if you go through well, you can actually wind up with an amazing relationship again, better than it was before. But sometimes it's in the reconciliation process that people fall apart completely because they make some errors that just make them think, there's no way this will never work again. And be careful who you go to see about this if you decide to see somebody. We've had people even talk about, I went to see, we went to see our pastor as part of the reconciliation process. After a couple of sessions, the pastor said, oh man, the issues are too deep. You guys just need to go ahead and separate. If you're going to reconcile, find somebody who's committed to helping you reconcile, not splitting you up. But there is a process, things to go through. Now, the smartest, simplest way, in my opinion, get our online reconciliation course because it takes you through step by step. At the very least, if you want to do that, or maybe even in addition to that, Deal with one of our coaches who can help you work through this step by step by step. If you have somebody really good that's committed to helping you work through and you'd rather see him or her, by all means. If that's your counselor, your therapist, your pastor, and they're good and they're committed to helping you guys work things out, wonderful. Just be careful not to get somebody that the first sign of trouble that'll go, eh, this won't work. Go someplace else. Because there's going to be trouble. <laughs> it's not going to work perfectly. There are going to be some days when you go, what was I thinking? But you can do this, and I'm happy. I'm happy that you've gotten to this point. You've worked so hard to get here. <laughs> Don't blow it now. I'm, it sounds terrible. I'm not trying to say it's going to be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> she won't. She won't blow it now. And also, you can always come back to see us in Nashville. Now, if they've been to the workshop you. already. Yeah. Come back to the workshop. I know. And we have a very special deal for people to come back to the workshop. Absolutely. A very special deal. And we love, we love for couples to come back to the workshop. Mm-hmm. And I'll guarantee you, you're going to hear things you didn't hear the first time. Mm-hmm. People always do. We have one couple come actually two weeks later, mm-hmm. came right back to the very next workshop and actually asked us, you put all that new stuff in in two weeks? <laughs> no, we didn't. It's just already you're in a different place. Mm-hmm. Plus, we throw a lot of stuff at you in those three days. And, and uh, it'll be very beneficial if you come back. Right. Yep. Love to love to see our graduates come back again. Yes. All right. So the next question we have, um, well, I don't know if this is a question or not. I haven't had time to read it. It just came in. But, okay, let me go with this one. We've been married for 14 years, and last year he was with someone else, mm-hmm. and I forgave him. Mm-hmm. But some days are so hard because I feel that he is not in it. But he tells me that he loves me and that he wants to work it out, but he looks like he isn't happy. What should I do? Should I let it go or should I keep trying? Hmm. You know, anytime you start interpreting what somebody feels mm, yeah. because of the way he looks, because of the way he acts, because of what he says, is it possible that you're interpreting it correctly? Sure. It's always possible. Is it possible that you're interpreting it incorrectly? 
Yes, that's also possible. You see, it's very difficult to know exactly what's going on inside another person unless he or she tells you. Oh, I know. There are people in the world that'll tell you exactly what somebody's thinking or feeling, particularly on the internet. <laughs> Post on Facebook, my husband said this, why do you think he did? And you'll get 42 answers, people saying, this is exactly why he did that, even if they've never, met, never ever met your husband. People can't look at another person and know exactly what he's thinking or feeling, including you. But you're going, oh, but this is my spouse. I've learned a lot about him. I can read him really well. That's possible. And sometimes we do read our spouses really well, but sometimes we don't. And I can't tell you how many times people wind up having a major problem because you misinterpret a thing that he says, misinterpret a look that he has on his face. If he doesn't look happy, it does not necessarily mean it's because he's committed to be with you. It might be because of the fact something's happening at work that he's not telling you about. It may be that he's going through the grief process of something or someone that he lost. I mean, there are all kinds of things going on here. If he says he loves you, that's crucial. Now, if you're not feeling it, then how, this is how you deal with that. You sit down with him when it's comfortable, not rushed, not pressed. You don't try to do it at, when they go to a commercial during his favorite football team, <laughs> okay? It's when you can actually talk to each other, sit on the front porch, the telephone's off, etc. if you have a front porch. In other words, find a very comfortable place to do this. And look at him and go, you know, I know you love me. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, can I ask for some things that help me feel loved? Notice you're not saying you're not doing the right things. Never make this sound like an attack, a critique, a judgment, or criticism. Don't let it be phrased like that whatsoever. Always in terms of you. Thank you for loving me. And I'm so happy the fact that you tell me that you do. I believe you. In other words, be on his side of the table. And then you say, here's some things that um, would help me feel loved. Could you do this for me? And then don't list more than a couple of things. Don't have a list of five, six, 10, 15. No, don't do that. List a couple of things. Here's something that would help me. Uh, I feel loved when you blank. And just tell him, preferably just one thing at a time. A couple of weeks, you can try another. But just one thing. You say, well, why give him some specific thing to do? Shouldn't he just know to do that? No, <laughs> no, no. It's unfair to expect the other person to understand exactly what it is that you need and exactly what it is he or she should do. It's so much better if you can put it in a phraseology where he understands it. It's like, thank you for loving me. It means so much to me when you tell me you love me. For me, can you do one thing because it helps me feel more loved? Um, every day before you leave work, could you just give me a kiss and a hug? Boom, that's it. You haven't accused him of anything. You haven't said, you idiot, this is what you need to do. You've asked for something for you. If that makes you feel better, in a week or two, three, four, don't put them too close together. Maybe in a month you say, I really appreciate the fact that you give me that kiss and hug every day. It means so much to me. Can I ask for a little thing beyond that? Because it makes me feel so good. Every day during the day, could you just, if you get a chance, I know sometimes you're busy, just give me a call in the day, only for two minutes, just see if I'm okay, just check on me, because that means so much to me. Now don't put these things so close together, okay? Don't ask for too many things at one time. And you can actually move this along. Now, I would be careful to say, don't look sad. Don't look like you're not happy. Don't do that. Because he probably doesn't even know the visage that he's giving you. So don't say things like that. You'd ask for specific small behaviors that he can do. Now, 
as he starts doing those things, you'll actually feel more loved. Now, if there's something he's doing that makes you feel unloved, you can point that out too, but I wouldn't start with that. Like, honey, when you, when you ignore me, when I'm trying to talk to you, I feel unloved. There's a time and a place for that, but I would start with the other first. You say, well, you mean like kind of train him about how I need to be loved? In a sense, but it's not because he's a dog. It's not because he's a, some animal you're trying to train. It's like sometimes people don't know how it actually to communicate it in a way that means something to you. And so gradually, slowly, you evoke it by asking for it in terms of you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Joe, we have three more questions that we're going to try and get through in the next nine minutes. Nine minutes, three questions. We can do it. We can you, do, it. do you know who I am? <laughs> if people say, what's the weather like outside? We have a five-minute discussion. You understand, yes. right? Okay. Amplified times 10 with coffee, especially 16 cups. Okay. Not that you've had that today. But the next question is, I know you said that limerence last three to 36 months, but what is the true average? I don't understand okay. what that means. So here's what that means. Well, first of all, what you're going to say is it's three to 48 months, right? It's three to 48. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's number one. <laughs> number two is of that three to 48 months, is most of it 12 months, 12 or you know, 16 months, things like that? I seldom see it go past three. Years. And most of the time I see it in three years or three months? Three years. Okay. It seldom goes past three years. And uh, often I see it in within two years. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but I've also seen it in in three months. Right. I mean, if, if you start looking at it, I've actually seen it in in three right. months. I've witnessed that. But most of the people we deal with from the time it first begins, uh, it's extremely rare for me to see one that went past 36. Mm-hmm. Extremely rare. Uh, and often within two. And I know you're going, oh, good grief. I just found out a month ago. And you're saying I've got two more years of this. Look. From the time it begins, usually it begins long before you know it, okay? Typically it begins long before you know it. And so it's often a year into it or more when people actually finally find out about it. Can it end within a year? Yeah, it really can. Have I seen it? I've witnessed it many times. So when you say, what's the true average? It's so unique, it varies with everybody else. It varies with every individual. You see. If you can start doing the right things early into the limit relationship, and I'm not saying you control the other person's behavior. You don't. The only person you can control is you. But if you discover it up here toward the beginning and you start doing the smart contact and you're working on the pies and you're being accepting and all those kinds of things, if it's still early in what we would call phase one, it tends to last a whole lot shorter. If they're already way up here in what we would call phase two, and really intently into that, it's going to take longer to come out of it. And, and please don't start running into saying, oh, it, tell me exactly what phase my husband is in, my wife mm-hmm. is in. I can't do that. We can talk about the general principles of what's happening in phase one, general principles phase two, general principles phase three, but we've never ever meant that to be, let's start diagnosing it, okay? But uh, obviously the sooner into it, the better off everybody is in helping at the end than if they're right in the middle and the throes and the depths of it. But that would apply to anything in life, you understand. So I don't know how to answer the question other than that. Yeah. Well, the question behind the question, which you, I think you just touched on, is 
if you're looking for a number to cling to, then you have your sight set on the wrong end goal. Yes. You need to be focusing on working on yourself, doing the smart contact, doing the other things, because if you start clinging to at month 12, this should all start ending. You're either going to be sorely disappointed or you're going to miss when it's ending at month eight because you're focused on the wrong thing. Right. It's a focusing illusion. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Make sure your focus is correct. All right. right. The next question we have the the person says we've been staying we have been separated for two years he has started saying that he needs to be ready to face everything before he comes home we're actually interacting really well right now and rarely have heated arguments over his affair and he says he loves me how can i ease his mind about facing the reality of working things out okay what do you think she means about he's afraid to face everything or not ready to face everything family friends People being mad at him. His guilt probably is a huge part of it. Or the fact that she's going to ask him a whole lot of questions. That could be part of it. Okay. Well, if you have any idea what it is that he's afraid of, like if he's not ready to face anything, see if it were I, I'd have this conversation. No, you do what you think's best for you. I can't tell you what to do. But if it were I, and sometimes when it's comfortable, when he's not going to feel pressured by it, I would say, you know, I really want to understand that. And it's not because I'm going to try to convince you of anything I just really want to understand that. When you say you're not ready to face everything, uh, just help me understand what that means. Now, if he's willing to, if, if, if he shuts in and says, I don't want to talk about it, I would let it go. If he starts explaining it, says, well, I don't want to come back and have to answer all your questions. Hmm, now you're getting an idea. Or I don't want to have to face your family. Now you're getting an idea. Once you understand what that means, what he really means when he says, I don't want to face everything, then you can start making promises if indeed you're willing to keep them. So for example, if he says, I just don't want to have to face your family. If I were I, if it were I, I would say something like this. I get that. Makes all the sense in the world of me. Let me take care of that for you. If you decide that you want to come back, and I hope that you do, but it's your decision. In other words, don't put pressure on him. I would say, if you decide you want to come back, I will meet with my family and tell them that they need to accept you. They don't need to ask any questions. They don't want to treat you badly. When Alice and I reconciled all those years ago after I divorced her and went off and and three years later, I said, would you be willing to take me back? Alice went to her family, for example, and said, I'm going to remarry Joe. What do you think? Or Joe's asked me to remarry him. What do you think? And they were all totally against it. No, 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 no. He hurt you once. He'll hurt you again. She decided she would. And then she went to her family and said, I made a decision to marry Joe. You have to respect that decision. Joe's going to be with me. And if you don't want to be around Joe, then you won't be around me. Now, I'm not saying you won't see your grandchildren again, but major holidays I'm spending with Joe. And if you don't want him around, then neither I or our kids will be here on those major holidays. We're not coming for Thanksgiving, et cetera, because we're going to be with, be with Joe. And, and so she defended me to her family, and therefore they were extremely kind every time they saw me, not because they liked me. <laughs> they were pretty mad at me. Because they respected her. And you made that kind of promise. If, if that's what it is, then I'll take care of that. I don't want to face those people at church. Well, then let's go to a different church. Or I'll go talk to the people at church. In other words, if you find out what that means. Oh, and if he says, because I don't want to have to deal with all these issues. There's all kinds of things you want to talk about. Then you can make this kind of promise if you will keep it. Okay. At some point, I would like to talk about some of those things. But here's a commitment I'll make to you. If you decide you want to come back, we'll wait until you're ready. Now, don't say that you're never ready because at some point we will. 
but I'm very willing to wait days, weeks, months, up to maybe even a year, if you're willing to, until you're very comfortable with that, and then we'll do it. So if you find out what face all this means, and then you can alleviate some of that, that's what I would do. I'd say, I'll take care of that for you. Now, I'm not going to make it where you don't have to face up to people, because at some point you do. But I can make it so much easier, and I can protect you in so many ways, because I love you. I trust you. That's how I would do it if it were I. Mm, Yeah, that's good. All right, final question. I saw my husband has a dating app on his phone. Should I confront him or just work on our relationship? Well, I wish I knew a whole lot more about the relationship. Exactly. That is the golden question. (laughs) If I knew more about the relationship, I'd have a much better idea about how to uh, to Mm -hmm. speak to this. But in general, I would say when you find something like that, how did you find it? If you were snooping behind his back and, and doing things that, that, you know, he didn't expect you to do, then when you go and confront him saying, okay, I know that I'm not supposed to look at your phone, that you keep it secret from me, but I went and looked at it anyway and found the dating app. It's not going to be about the dating app. It's going to be about you violating his privacy. Mm-hmm. Because when you sneak and do things like that and you catch the other person, almost every time then it's not going to be about what he did. It's going to be about what you did. How dare you violate my privacy? So it's probably not, not going to work if you do it that way. Now, if you're ready to divorce and you want out of the marriage, sure, go ahead. I found this on there. I shouldn't have looked, but I did. Get out. But if you really want to make the marriage work, if you want to work on the relationship and make it work, then if you sneaked around to get it, it's not going to be a good reaction, probably, if you confront him with it. Now, if he just leaves his phone lying around and he's okay with you looking at it, then I think it's okay. And you can say, hey, I found this on your phone, and, and it really worries me. Can you help me understand it? Rather than, what are you doing? What's this for? Are you trying to? Because when people are attacked, they almost always become defensive. So an attack is not going to help you if you really want to make the marriage work. But if you have access to the phone, in other words, you weren't sneaking around and doing things he didn't want you to do, and to say, I found this, it, it, it hurts me to say, can you help me to understand it? Then rather than attacking, you're putting it in the framework of you. It does not guarantee his reaction is going to be good, but it actually increases the likelihood dramatically. Now, if you found it that way and you guys are communicating in, in a halfway decent manner, that's what I would suggest. Now, it's your decision. You do what you think is best. But I found this. It really worries me. Can you help me understand it? Make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay. Great show, Joe. <laughs> Let's see everyone next week. Do you have any final wrap-up thoughts? Listen, go to our website. We've got all kinds of good things there for you. Yeah, MarriageHelper.com. And if you go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Marriage Radio, we've got over 100 podcasts and all kinds of subjects there for you. A lot of good stuff. Be sure wherever you go to subscribe. So whether it's iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. YouTube and then look for what on YouTube? Marriage Helper. Marriage Helper you on YouTube. Keep looking for Marriage Helper. Then that is how you'll find us. But on and the other things, it's Marriage Radio. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, just but they make can sure I got still there. find us through Marriage Helper. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Right. So 
be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and in the videos, be sure um, if you go to the Facebook videos, then we are, or not the Facebook videos, the YouTube videos and comment. We ask questions. We look for your engagement in that as well. And we'll be responding to questions. We'll be using your questions to help us get more video ideas and content for what you're needing, for what you're looking for. We love interacting and communicating with our audience so much. We love it. But until then, if you need anything, you can always find us, like Joe said, at marriagehelper.com. You can give us a call at 866-903-0990, and we will see all of you next week.